0: A farmer comes home one day to find that everything that gives meaning to his life is gone. Crops are burned, animals slaughtered, bodies and broken pieces of his life strewn about, everything that he loved taken from him. His children. One can only imagine the pit of despair, the hours of... Job-like lamentations, the burden of existence. He makes a promise to himself in those dark hours. A life's work erupts from his knotted mind. Years go by, his suffering becomes complicated. One day he stops. The farmer who is no longer a farmer sees the wreckage he's left in his wake. It is now he who burns. It is he who slaughters. We all feel
1: better,
0: better. in the dark. We
1: all feel better
2: in the dark. We all feel better in the dark.
3: J. ferguson h y ladies and gentlemen i present to you the new greatest show on earth better in the dark yeah hit the concession stand now get your popcorn get the drinks get the food you don't want to miss a second because the show is about to start and welcome to the show with shows Better in the Dog slash dope audio Ready to start it Reality to part it Podcast excellence No doubt about it uh, We got movies Uh We got TV We got Tom and D. E. Get where you need to be So you can digest all the words They digress Better get paper ready For the viewers they present Uh DJ, uh, Ferguson, Brooklyn and the house, dream team, heaven sit but they will bust your ass if your shit come back, call it living color cause our homies don't play that, facts only, fashion your facsimiles, but ain't no power greater than the BITD, so you can get with this, or you can get with that, just know the show is where it's always Welcome at, Welcome to uh. the Big Show, brought to you from the BK, home of Jay-Z and Biggie, what's really left to say to the furrows? it's time for Better in the Dark. Yeah, got time on my left, Derek on my right. Bust a head, serving notice all damn night. Tell your baby mamas, it's time for better in the dark. Yeah, and we out. And until
1: we get back in touch with you. So
3: that, right, so so well. really.
1: So <laughs> So last year, yes. because we were really, really frustrated. <laughs> We did a BITD autopsy, which of course is our recurring feature, where we take something, put it up on the slab here in the old mortuary, and dissect it and try to figure out whether it worked, as in the case of Person of Interest. Ah, yes. Or whether it didn't work, as Mm. in the case of the second season of The Human Target. Mm. And we put up the entire 2012. And it was apparently a very popular episode because we frequent requests from people saying, hey, are you going to do one for 2013? See, that's the problem with starting these. People expect us to do them again. Yeah, right. And we've forgotten about it. We but, said, you know, we said, what do we do? Yeah. Luckily, there's stuff we have to say about the 2013.
2: So. Yeah! Some very interesting things have happened with
1: this, yeah. you know, TV stuff. This is it. We got the big old fat load up there on the dissection table, we're going to start dissecting it. And in the words of Jerry Seinfeld, let's slice this fat bastard up. And this is Derek Ferguson. And this is Thomas D.J. And this is your B.I.T.D. autopsy. So, what do we want to start with? Is there a particular show we want to <laughs> scoriate or praise or... Let's start with the elephant in the room. Ages of shield. I thought the elephant left with Smokey and the Bandit. No, the elephant came back. <laughs> It was a homing elephant. He lumbered his fat ass back on. <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've seen three episodes. Are you up to date? Uh, and I've seen three. I've got two I haven't watched on my DVR. Yeah. This was, of
2: course, the show everybody was waiting this for. This was the most anticipated show of this season. Right. The most anticipated one. Coming as it did off the heels of the billion-dollar grossing Avengers movie, Right. Which to date is probably the most popular, in my eyes, the Marvel cinematic right. universe movie of course the thing that intrigued everybody the most was the presence of agent colson right who we had seen get stabbed through the chest but it turns out was just sent to tahiti it's a wonderful place it's a mag- magical it's a place. magical place so agent colson is back alive well and he has been given this magnificent super plane with the mandate to assemble a team of agents in order to investigate hero
1: activities wherever it may be so he gathers up paper doll man, cosplay Elijah Dushku.
0: Oh,
1: oh, i have to hear that all episode. The nattering English twins. See that I don't mind to in all episode long. <laughs> and Melinda May. Played by the very, very, very hot Ming-Na Wen. And if this show had boiled down to Agent Coulson and Ming-Na Wen traveling the country, going up to a doorbell, ringing it, and beating up whoever answered it, I would have been happy. Yeah. Because those are the only two characters I give a hot fart about.
2: I hear that. I'm still on board with Agent Let me say this first so I can get the poison out of myself. I am fed up to here with people, because people have been doing nothing But but bitch moaning and whining about... Oh, there's no AIM there's no HYDRA right. there's no Baron Strucker there's no this there's no that oh well where are the superheroes at folks the name of the show is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. it's not the cameo superheroes
1: of S.H.I.E.L.D. right
2: superheroes of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the cameo superhero of the week or right. the name check that Marvel character right. of the week apparently people are upset because, in my opinion,
1: they thought they were going to get the Avengers right. movie every week on the small Well, you can't thing. get that because you don't get that budget for a weekly television series.
2: And that's not what it's supposed to be about. And I'll be the first one to admit, as I've told you in conversation, right? I feel at times it
1: comes off as too much like Torchwood Life. And my feeling is, I think I, you and I have discussed this and I've mentioned it, it's a very throwbacky show. It feels very much like the kind of show like Mutant X Right. To throw out an idea, or Relic Hunter, one of those shows from the golden age of syndication, mm-hmm. which we would see on Saturday afternoons around four or five o'clock. Right. It has that kind of weird, very packed down. The fact that they used a bottle show it was, as the second, second episode. episode. A second episode. Can yeah. uh, we explain what a bottle show is? Yeah, Okay. Difficult. A bottle show is a show where they only use the existing set. If you ever see a show like. Back in the day, when you
2: could tell that this was a bottle show, because what would happen was that the character would get so he would be trapped in a cave, and then there'd be flashbacks where the other characters would remember the first time they met him. Well, that's a bottle show. Yeah,
1: Yeah. the second episode, which was about this weird super weapon, yeah, that they found that they found in Peru, I think, took place almost entirely on the plane set. Now the plane set is a standing set, so they don't have to build anything except for maybe a false. Peru set front. So they save money on doing a bobble show. Right. So they could theoretically spend bigger money on some of the other episodes. Right. And we saw, for example, the next episode after that where cosplay Elijah Dushku mm-hmm. got to play an undercover bitch. And we actually got some character development of her where we learned that she's kind of conflicted between what her original attention is and what she's caught by Colson, And we also got our first supervillain. Because I think what's
2: going to happen mm-hmm is that these people that she's in contact with, mm-hmm. I think that eventually they are going to turn out to be either Hydra or AIM. Mm-hmm. But, my God, in the second episode, we had Sam Jackson as right. Fury in the camp. What more do you want? Oddly enough, behaving like Ilse Pucci. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Am I wrong? <laughs> no, no, you're not wrong. Why are you messing so my foot? <laughs> he said, I want everything put back
1: exactly the way it was. And Cole said, and said okay, forget the." And the first episode, we got Colby Smolder. Oh, yeah, well, we'll probably be back if this show lasts the second season because the ratings have been dropping. So I'm sure we'll see more of Maria Hill. Because, right. You know, yeah. She'll
2: be... What more you want? You had Maria Hill guest starring in the first episode. You had a cameo from Sam Jackson, right. and Nick Fury in the second. So I don't understand what people talk about. Well, we don't see enough of the Marvel
1: Universe. But they never said you were going to see the Marvel Universe all in the first goddamn five episodes, people. And now we get the word that there are developments that are going to happen throughout this first season that are going to dovetail into... Into Winter Soldier. Into yeah Winter Soldier.
2: Which, to me, that makes sense. I know people complaining because they thought that... Michael Richards, I believe that's the actor's name, yeah. who was in the first one. Oh, well, he should have been Power Man. Why wasn't he oh, Power oh, Man? Oh, yeah, the guy
1: who played Gunn in Angel, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they made us think he was Power Man. Because well, it wasn't about Power Power Man, no. it was about a legal experiments being run using Chitari technology. Right. People don't get it that you have to set up plot lines that will pay off later on down the and road. Though, the whole point of that first episode was to set up the premise of the show and to introduce cosplay Elijah Dushku. Like I said, folks, he's going to flog this extinct equine. You Let's are go- telling me that you don't think that Chloe Bennett got hired because he tried to get Elijah Dushku she wasn't interested. Well,
2: Tom, we got the
1: point. Cosplay Elijah Dooku, we have gotten the point. Yes. Can we move on? <laughs> can, can we leave? <laughs> we got our first true supervillain in the third episode. Because it was an origin story for the movie-versus version of Graviton. Yeah. Here's what I'm saying. So... The first three episodes, we got Maria Hill, we
2: got Nick Fury, we got Graviton. Well, how much more do you want? Put too much in it. Well, then it's not about Agents of anymore, is it? And
1: I think people are forgetting that it is a episodic television show. Thank you. So, they may be building up to something. Duh! Right from the pilot, we get these seeds about... Colson can never find out. The only character in the show right now who has been getting any sort of development is Melinda May because they seem to be advancing a plot line they have in mind for her. I love that scene in Bottle Shop where they're all sitting and they're all tied up.
2: The guy, the one neither you or I can't Paper stand, doll man. Yeah. Says, well, I'm not worried about. It. Well, what do you mean you're not worried? What do you mean you're not worried? He said, I'm not, because we got the cavalry with us. And they
1: look as look and they you're the Calvary, Calvary. Calvary?
2: And she's, like, sitting there, she's sitting
1: there. I oh. told you not to tell them. She's saying, oh, I, I want to know. That, yeah. Now, I'm not just saying this because, see, like I said, true. I've had a crush on Ming-Na Wen ever since I saw her first on The Single Guy. Yeah. Way back when, that abortive Jonathan Silverman sitcom that NBC put out. Mm-hmm. It's obvious that there is something going on there that they're yeah. trying to reveal a little bit at a time. Now, see, this is the sort of stuff that people should be paying attention to
2: yeah. when they watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is character-building stuff. a uh, matter of fact, I remember I was sitting here watching actually rewound it. Because right. the looks of everybody right. else's face, it was like something
1: about the three studios. They all turned into what they said. You're the Calvary? The then, only time the Nattering English twins hinted oh, they're just. Yeah. They are a yeah. drag. Yeah. They're the ones that make me feel
2: like this is Torchwood Light. And I don't think that they have a handle on their individual character. All we know is that they talk very fast and very smart. And they back up. Yeah. Move. And then that's, it. that's the
1: extent of it. Are they brother and sister? Are they. Yeah. I don't even know. I mean, at first, they were like a married couple, but. Right. Yeah. And uh, that's what I thought. I oh, well, maybe they're married. I mean, yeah. it's it's obvious to me that what they were supposed to be, Willow and Xander, uh, of Buffy fame. But Josh Whedon isn't writing this show. Yeah, Josh Whedon, he... he's executive producing, but he's too busy having James Spader be outfitted in silver for yeah, the Avengers 2. He's too-
2: isn't his brother writing all this? Yeah, his, his brother, brother
1: right does a lot of the writing, and unfortunately, Josh Whedon's brother is not Jonathan Nolan. Yeah, and I think that another thing that people are forgetting: every TV show in its first season has growing pains. Yeah, there's always that feeling of the show kind of going around with its hands out of the dark mm-hmm. looking for the thing that is it. It's got to find its own identity. And right now, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. has not found what it is yet, mm-hmm. other than it's set in the Marvel Universe. And it's got Agent Coulson. Mm-hmm. And it's got Melinda May. They don't know what they want to do. Now,
2: speaking of Agent Coulson, let me ask you something. What do you think is the
1: deal with him?
2: I've heard people talking about, oh, well, he's the vision. Yeah, I've heard he- LMD. He's a Skrull. He's a super soldier. He's
1: this. He's that.
2: What do you What do
1: you think? I the think they might have used Jatari technology to to heal him up. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to introduce LMDs.
2: I go with Optimus Razor. Yeah, that really is Coulson. Either they use as guardian technology or...
1: And, or, and this or, thing about Tahiti, it's a magical place, is a block to his memories. Right, so he doesn't remember dying. Yeah. Exactly. Because it's a psychological trauma that, and, know, and if he, he remembers dying, he'll flip out. He'll flip out, he'll become ineffectual, and we can't have that.
2: Because everybody says, oh, well, he's a... No, I think the
1: most common thing is he's an LMD.
2: You haven't seen the scroll theory. Though? No, I haven't heard yeah. the scroll theory. But I just think, why are we looking for all these? Because to me, if I was writing it, I would say, well, I'm going to give them the one thing they're not going to expect. That really is closer. Yeah. And I go with you. Yeah. They use the Chitari technology or Asgardian see, technology. I mean, I think
1: it's very telling the first story, it was about illegal use of Chitari technology. Yeah. I think that's kind of a little bit of a flag up there. Because remember, unlike certain people, Robert Orsi, Josh Whedon doesn't plant something lightly. Right. If you plant yourself, it's there for a reason. Yeah. Which is why when you say it,
2: it's a magical place, as far as we're concerned, as Guardian technology right. it is magic. Mm-hmm. So that's another, I was saying, yeah. And of course, I say that. people, no, it's not. Coulson is dead. Coulson, okay, well, listen. Eventually, we're all going to find out together. Yeah. But until then, that's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. I think that actually is Coulson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't go with LMD theory like you could. That's too obvious. The sophistication that it would take to build an LMD to like Big a
1: Colson who is to all extends and purposes functioning LMDs are not meant to be perfect duplicates like that. Exactly. Hell he has memories of growing the Peruvian Chica they, yeah, th- from that's, the bottle show. Yeah,
2: that's why I said nah. I said
1: that's Colson. And since we name-checked Jonathan Nolan, we, before we started, tweeted out on our tweeter, which is at B-I-T-D show. Asked us a couple little tweets. That's right. We're, we're tweets. Asked people to tweet us with their questions about the 2013 television season. And our good friend Des Reddick, our official co-host for the Obscure Horror Movies episodes, and father of the Better the Dark first family, asks us about recent episodes of Person of Interest. Root is the best villain on TV, in my opinion, and I adore Shaw. We've talked about, in fact, we devoted an entire episode to Person of Interest, interest and how much we love Person of Interest. They've made some changes this season. They've expanded
2: the Um, team, they've...
1: Root is a recurring character. She's a supervillain. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Now, once again, I've only seen three episodes. We should mention Then My television went out for a while, mm-hmm. so I'm two weeks behind them. But I've only seen three episodes. Okay, there you go. Her, yeah. I'm kind of uncomfortable with Shaw, to be honest, being on the show, because she doesn't really add anything.
2: As I said to you in a conversation yeah. we was having, the problem with Shaw, I like Shaw, don't get me wrong, but the problem is that she doesn't do anything that Reese can't do. She's just like Reese
1: only with tips and glowering.
2: She's Reese's life. Yeah. The only thing that she brings to the table is that she can provide backup for him. Yeah. Or if there's somebody that he needs to keep safe. He can leave that person with Shaw, and he knows that That it's just as good as if he was there.
1: She's got Michelle Rodriguez syndrome. Yeah. She's She's got two expressions, pissed off and and even even more more pissed pissed off. off. One of the funnier lines of those three episodes that I saw was one of Shaw's lines in the episode where the three women go undercover. They make reference to the fact that she looks so mad, it's like, and she does it with a scowl. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I look cute. Of course, here. the other thing I liked about that episode was that we finally learned that Zoe and Reese have been knocking boots. I like they didn't make a big deal yeah, out of it. I thought know, that was. I'm like. What? Let's be refreshing, because we always knew that Zoe was set up as mm. kind of Reese's romantic tension, that they would bring her in in a couple of episodes for each season and just have the two of them kind of do the dance. And it's kind of refreshing to say, yeah, they've done the dance, and they continue to do the dance.
2: Yeah, and that's it. It doesn't have to be a thing. We don't right. have to build a whole episode around. They do it. Okay, let's yeah. move on. But I do like the fact that they are
1: increasing the size of the team, and they're mm. very slowly... And technically, Elias is part of the team at this time as well. sitting in his little bunker where Tajira P. Henson comes and pumps him for information.
2: I wouldn't say he's part of the team, but it goes back to that whole keep your friends close, but your enemies closer thing. Well, okay, well, we got him here. He's a kind of reliable resource, but the main thing is, we know where he, he is, is,
1: right? They want to know where his knocker is at at all The, the only person who knows where he is is Jerry P. Henson. Yeah. yeah, but they know where he is. Yeah, And I've always been a fan of the B-plot for that episode that we just referred to. Mm-hmm. The guy who turns out at the sun, where she's telling the doctor, well... It was fun being here. Yeah, but it's time for me to go It's time now, for me uh, to guys. go. It's, I'm so sorry that the guy's going to kill you.
2: Your phone's going to ring yeah. in about
1: five minutes. That'll
2: be my signal to get out of here. Yeah. So, well, what do you mean? How you go? Well, I put the gas in the thing, and that's what the ventilation. Yes. So, so everybody's knocked out except for you. Because I got here three days ago and I closed your bed. And I said, This bitch (laughs) She 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 just. In the most matter of fact kind of way. But she saved his life, though. Yeah. When the assassin came after him. And she told him, I think you better leave. Yeah. Why? Because there's God coming. And if he comes, he's going to kill you. Right. So you need to go. Said, well, what about... You? Well, she said, well, shit, I'm leaving. My, yes, my, my, my ride is here. My ride is here. My <laughs> stage is already uh, You're the one you got to worry All about right, it, yeah. not me. But Sorry. she took time to yeah. take out the guy, you All know, because right. she, she said, no. Listen, while my time was here, I yeah. like talking to you. you know? <laughs> How can you
1: not love a bad guy to be? That scene elevated her to, to yeah. status. Yeah. Before she was just Well, there. there's the thing. That now she's super and villain. And the other thing that's kind of interesting about this season is that don't know what the machine's agenda is. It's still feeding the team social security numbers for them to save or protect people from. But it's also got this kind of familial relationship with Root. It seems like the machine is trying to rehabilitate Root. Yeah, I think that the machine is eventually going to I mean, there's that line where she says we've been debating, it's like, what have you been debating? Whether I should kill you or not. Yeah. God doesn't want me to. And she refers to the machine as she. Yeah. She's given it a feminine
2: But it's unique, and I think that the machine understands Mm -hmm. that, and that's why it's trying to rehabilitate Root because Root sees the machine truly as an intelligent, as a living thing that's learning, Mm -hmm. which it is. Mm -hmm. But see, whereas Finch is kind of, oh shit, what did I do? See, Finch's got the doctor sees it as a monster. Finch's got the Dr. Frankenstein shit. He said, oh man, well I brought it to life. Now what do I do, Reese? He's solely he as a tool. He doesn't worry about if it's got intelligence or if it's right. got a soul. It's just a tool. The machine gives him a number, he goes, to take care of it, that's it. And uh, his
1: purpose in life continues. Exactly.
2: Right. And that's another thing, how each one of these characters has their own conception of what the machine is right. and what its purpose is. They just kind of Oh, shit. It's after he
1: let the genie out the bottle. Right. Then he starts He's thinking. been trying to, to put it back in the Then he starts time. thinking,
2: oh, shit, I should have thrown that bottle back in the ocean. Right. No, well,
1: no, you let the genie
2: out the bottle, and as we know, once you do that, you're pretty much fucked. Right. <laughs> and, and, and that's, I think, the other reason. The only problem
1: I think I have with Shaw as a character is that we're seeing these characters continue to develop. But Shaw, ever since we first saw her, has been in a steady state. I'm a pissed off Middle Eastern girl.
2: Well, that's because at this point, pretty much all she is is backup for right. She doesn't have a very clear function on the team, like everybody. Everybody, doesn't else,
1: have, everybody else has a clear function. And look at it this way: we've seen at least glimpses of all the other characters into where they came from. All last season, we saw that whole story of Finch and his one true love. Yeah, and the invention of the machine. In the first season, we had all these things of Reese. Of Reese. When and he was his, overseas. He was when he was he overseas. and a, a, a CIA operative. Right. We she,
2: even got to see Taraj P. Yeah. Her background and find out that was a mom. Yeah. She used to be a torturer. Exactly. When she was overseas, mm-hmm. she was an interrogator. But we haven't seen Shaw's. We know. even seen Elias for, and Ruth. Bits of their background. But I'm willing to give it time because yeah. I trust of Interest. Right. It hasn't let me down so far. Not like uh, we talked about it when we autopsy for the human target target yeah how that let us down i'm willing to let them have their time to do what they got to do because mm-hmm. so far they haven't disappointed me they right. have instead of a foot wrong yeah mm-hmm. maybe they might have stumbled here and there but so far from what i see a person of interest they know where they're going and i have faith that they know where they're going and they know what they're doing the only thing is, is that we have an audience which is what see the audience for agents of shield isn't letting them do it. they're not allowing them the right. time to go but got because go.
1: Person of Interest wasn't a brand name. No, it wasn't. And yeah. I think that's what's inhibiting the show from people giving it the space to grow. Because
2: Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., everybody came to it with their preconceived notion of right. what it was going to be. Nobody knew what Person of Interest was going right. to be about. I watched it simply because of the name. And I like Jim, Jim Yeah, Jim Cabezo. And I knew never right. watched Michael Emerson. Else. Right, I knew him from Mars. And when I watched it, by the second, third episode, I was hooked. They got me. And the more the show went along, of course, Taraji henson right I heard she was in it a... mm-hmm. but the more i watch it
1: now i cannot not watch it exactly i have to know what's gonna happen it, next. this is a way to build the mythology that works
2: exactly
1: and i guess will kind of bring us to a show that i think has been described almost uniformly across the board as bug fucking sane what's that sleepy hollow
2: oh god yes
1: the diseased mind of Robert Orsi once again spits up blood. And this is what it get. <laughs> I lasted a single episode and said, no mas.
2: Yeah, you bailed on it.
1: I bailed on it because I'm like, yeah, man, what happened? Because I know what Robert Orsi is capable of, and I know that this is just him throwing shit on the wall, and eventually he's going to rear There's so much shit on the wall that you can't see the window. You can't see the window, okay. I didn't care for the set. I think it was just, you know, oh. And the American Revolution was actually fought to prevent the Four Horsemen of Apocalypse. Oh, was the apocalypse, yeah. And George Washington. You know what Sleepy Hollow is? It sounds like a TV series made up by the kid who made a Axe cop.
2: Okay? I'm going to
1: tell you something. Yeah.
2: Sleepy Hollow. Now, I watched the first three episodes. Mm-hmm. And I'm enjoying it. I'm not crazy about it, mind you, but I'm enjoying it. I want to actually say this. It probably would have worked better as a movie, do it as a regular theatrical two hour mm-hmm. movie. Concept would have probably work a lot better because now I don't imagine how they're going to take this further
1: than a season unless it's going to turn into a- remember. I think in the pilot they said there were prophecies of this two yeah. people seven years, yeah,
2: well, and a movie. Well, <laughs> right. it's, well yeah, it's going to be like X Files, yeah, it's the type of the week type of thing, which as we already know, people never seem to get tired of. Tell somebody. Okay, well, it's kind of like X Files. What? What? Where? Where? Move the whole
1: other. Yeah. They start looking around like that mm-hmm. dog
0: on that bag. Yeah. it!
2: it!
1: Oh my lord! After that first episode, mm-hmm. Clancy Brown gets decapitated. Yeah. Harold from Harold and Kumar. First he's a good guy, then he's a bad guy. But yeah, I understand yeah. now he's a good guy again. The last time we followed Robert Orsi down a rabbit hole, what did we get? I
2: don't know. What
1: did we get? We got a bunch of idiots on an island looking at a hatch.
2: Oh, well, I like Lord. You didn't like it. Okay. I
1: liked it. I saw that one palette and I said, no, that's not for me. Oh, okay. What was for me, which was on the same night, was, mm-hmm. of course, NBC's The Blacklist. Ah, oh, yeah, with the magnificent James Spader as another supervillain. I could just imagine the pitch meeting. What if James Spader was Lex Luthor? The best part of that pilot episode mm-hmm. was when he told
2: FBI people, okay, well, this is what I want. I want Taylor Swift. I want this and that, and I want to go to this hotel. Yeah. What well, do you think we're going to put you up in a five-star hotel? And he goes to the hotel, and the staff knows him. Yeah. And the FBI, <laughs> look at like him. Holy shit. And they say, oh, welcome back, so-and-so. Right. You've got the Bollinger on, just as yeah. you requested, and such-and-such is done, just like you learned. Yeah. And he's calling the guy by his name. Yeah. So apparently he's becoming and going as he chooses. With
1: and contempt. It,
2: and the FBI never knew he was...
1: It, oh, man, that was a great... This show is built on the back of James Spader. Yeah. And he's having a ball. Me and you were talking about this, and we agreed. The show would be vastly improved if they don't, the female FBI
2: agent... He's and her... Got the- fucking wig
1: yeah if they don't See, have... you haven't seen a picture of megan boone when she because she's wearing a wig okay she's an attractive woman and what's the point what I think they should have gotten rid of was the freaking husband. Yeah, why well, can't you do that. both for them?
2: Yeah, but of course we gotta have a sexy female in this right. same place. I would much prefer that this be a chess game. What, Corinda,
1: What's her name? Isn't a sexy female?
2: You know what else? Somebody that has to appeal to the demographic. The whole thing should be a chess game between James Spader and the FBI. Right. To me, with this girl and mudding the what? Okay, well, what's her connection with her? Why her? That whole thing
1: to me, that's not interesting. I don't care. I just want to see... I a, want to see James Spader just be Robert California as a supervillain. I just want to see James Spader fucking with the FBI. Yeah, I mean, exactly.
2: That's what I want to that's see. All want. That's all I want. That's all I want to see. I don't care about his relationship hey, with
1: this chick. I Unlike, don't care about
2: the secret her husband yeah. I don't care. Unlike
1: with that season on The Office where he looked bored yeah. after about two or three episodes. That's
2: a, I would say three or four. Yeah, but, yeah,
1: but I agree with you. He got Bored. Because very quickly. it was very obvious to
2: me when he came on that Robert California saw this office as this is my personal lab. It's, it's a maze of mice. Yeah, these are my personal lab rats. Like the great episode. We, he, he just made a, a, a list, list right. and put names on it. And they drove themselves crazy trying to figure out, why did he make this list? Why is my name on it? And he was just sitting back observing it. Yes. Dad yeah. had me cracking up. I said, you're going to do that shit with Have <laughs> I ever run an office? No, no, no. I'm going to do yes. it because my family's going to be over for Thanksgiving. I'm yeah. going to make a list. And I'm going to put the names on it yeah. and leave it out for them to find and see what <laughs> happens. You think I'm joking. <laughs> I'm going to do that shit. If any of my family is listening to this, I don't <laughs> he just yeah. made this big win <laughs> i don't mean that
1: <laughs> when i come to the blacklist every week that's what i want to see
3: james right. spader outwitting the because
1: he is having a ball mm-hmm. he is having the most fun i think he's had on television since one season of the practice he was on mm-hmm. and that first season and a half of boston legal he's having a ball. oh yeah. gosh he's just nobody does himself. james spader better than james Everybody talks about, oh, we should get Barring Cranston to play Lex Luthor. Fuck that. Give me James Spader. yeah. Although, of course, we're getting him as Ultron. Yeah, well, there's that. We should touch on some of the comedies. You and I have watched a couple of comedies. One that we are kind of still pulling for, even though it's terrible. Yeah, it did get a
3: full... Yeah,
2: Yeah. I just found out last night I recorded this past Monday's episode and I watched it last night after I finished watching Craig Ferguson yeah. with Lawrence Block and Alyssa Milano, who I finally get what y'all guys see in her. Welcome to the club, finally. You should have seen her last night. <laughs> but then I, I, thought yeah. she, you
1: know, I thought she was gorgeous ever since she came on to Melrose Place.
2: I never watched Melrose Place. Whenever anybody said Alyssa Milano, i think of a commando. Right. Because she played all the sports and daughter. Right, and or my...
1: who's the boss. Or I never watched yeah, okay. who's the
2: boss. But yeah. I never watched
1: those shows, so I
2: did not know. And whenever somebody would say, "Oh man, Alyssa Milano," oh man, the head would
1: explode. For me, doubly hot because mm-hmm. football fan. I watched the last. Oh, she designed an entire line of women's clothing for the for women football fans. Really? Yeah.
2: I watched the last son of Craig Cruz, and yeah. I said,
1: "Okay, now I finally got." It. And then I watched Mom not really that funny or that good, but I cannot... Well, it's a Chuck Lorre show, so it's not really that funny or that good. Yeah, the big
2: bang theory, it's funny and it's good, and just because you keep saying it's not, it's not going to make it... (laughs) The only reason I watch this show is Anna Faris and Allison Janik, who surprised me because mainly I know her from
1: the West Wing. Who I did not realize was one of the tallest women on the face of the planet.
2: Yeah, she was in primary Colors, and she had a little role in that. She was pretty funny. But this is the first time I've seen her in a sustained comedy yeah.
1: performance. And she's pretty good. Every time I see her, though, next to Anna Faris, Anna Faris looks like a midget. Then again, Alison Janney is the tallest woman in the face of the planet. So, of course, she would make anybody look like a midget.
2: Her and Gina Davis are the same height as six feet.
1: Okay. If you ever noticed, they never show her feet.
2: On mom, Usually right. because she's barefoot but she's wearing flat right. shoes. Okay. Her- yeah, because she's so yeah, because she's so tall. On the West Wing, I remember reading a story (laughs) about how they never really showed her feet because she was walking around in her bare feet because she was taller than a lot of her male
1: (laughs) co-stars. I keep thinking about the scene you keep telling me about of her and Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah. I just picture her up there here and at the top of Christian Chenowitz's head in the screen. Was like came to her waist. Yeah. And they made fun of it in yeah. the episode. At one time she
2: screamed at a woman. Are we even the same species? <laughs> she said, oh my God. Because the whole episode, she was frustrated by trying to talk to yeah. the little short woman. Because what, Christian is vibe even?
1: Yeah. Whew,
2: she's tiny. She's
1: a tiny. She's a, she's a fun size. Yeah. As we like to call it. Yeah. Fun, yeah. fun size. Yeah. <laughs> And it's one of these shows I have watched more than one episode. Oddly enough, the person I think is the funniest is French Stewart. Yeah, he's hilarious. There's something that the show agrees with him. It's one of these things where I'm trying to support the team because we've talked a couple of times about how much I love your girl as an actress. Anna Faris. Anna Faris is wonderful as an actress. Unfortunately, she's trapped in a Chuck Lorre show, Mm -hmm. and it's all kind of smutty sex joke yeah the show is really
2: not about anything it's a bunch of smutting because the whole premise is that her mother was a drug addict alcohol and finally after many years she decided to clean up and get her life together after right. ruining her daughter's yeah. life so anna faris she was an alcoholic drug addict you know, right and divorced. so now she's cleaned up her life she and went she's to trying AA, to and she's trying to be a real mom to her kids while just getting, as her kid gets pregnant and gets pregnant right yeah, right.
1: Out of wedlock.
2: She mm. just got put in her teenage
1: daughter. So, with yeah. this character who's a cosplay version of the eldest Dumpy daughter's Yeah. Right,
2: brother. yeah. Thank
1: you, yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, that is so obviously who he's trying to channel.
2: The daughter, to me, she's trying to channel the eldest Dumpy like, daughter. Yeah, the, the you know eldest the Dumpy? Dumpy. Yeah, I DVR it. Yeah. And usually, while I'm down here, I'm working at my computer. I'm doing yeah. something. I'll have it on. And if Anna Ferris and Allison Janey are on, then I turn up give them attention, but otherwise, it's lackluster. And I've seen now brought Justin Long yeah. on as Anna Faris's boyfriend, I guess, in another
1: effort right. to try to raise... The main reason this show got a full-season commitment is because they don't have anything ready. Well, they,
2: Mike and Molly's coming back next
1: week. Yeah, Mike and Molly's coming back next week, but that's because they had some shoes to fill because We Are Men died of flaming
2: death. Oh, deservedly so. Mm-hmm. I saw the first episode, and I felt so embarrassed Right. For it. Tony Shalhoub and uh, Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell, both of those guys, I love them.
1: They had no business being. Yeah. In. I have no idea what induced them. The only thing that I can. Fix, and let's not forget Kumar. And I always wanted to say to Kumar, dude. Yeah. Cal yeah, Penn. Yeah, Cal. You Penn, went yeah. from being in the president's cabinet. Yeah. To being in this. To being in this. He's, oh my God! When I heard it was canceled, I lit up a cigar. I think I that was it. no, no. Lottery was the first cancellation. They came next. Lucky seven. Sorry, Lucky 7. Yeah. Lucky 7 was the first. Lucky 7 was unlucky.
2: Ironside was next to go. Yeah. And deservedly so. Tom, explain to me the logic of this. You take a beloved classic right. TV show, you recast it with a black actor as the lead. The show was canceled after three episodes. Why didn't you take another classic right. show, recast
1: it with a black person, and think that will yeah, be Yeah, but it. she's a woman. Okay. I'm more worried about the fact that this isn't an old woman. Right. That's what worries this me. This is people. Octavia Spencer, who is yeah. a young woman, yeah. That's what worries me about Murder, She Wrote, the black version. Well, isn't part of the thing about Murder, She Wrote, was that Jessica Fletcher was a modern-day Ms. Marple.
2: And it was played by Angela Lansbury, yeah. who already had 50 mm-hmm. years of street cred behind right. her on Broadway in movies. The London Theater, she brought all that to the table with her in relation mm-hmm. not to taking anything away from Octavia Spencer. Right. But she just doesn't have that long exactly. history that Angela Lansbury had. The murder she wrote had flopped. Angela Lansbury wouldn't have cared. She would have went and did Broadway. Because Ironside, I couldn't imagine. I said, why are you doing Ironside? I see, maybe because I wasn't a big Ironside You know why?
1: Because they saw a way to turn Ironside into another house. Another store, That he would be one of these brilliant, but flawed characters. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think they were betting on.
2: I'm glad you brought that up. But let me ask you something. Breaking Bad is gone.
1: House is gone. Do you think that we've seen the end of season? I think so, because also keep in mind that Dexter is gone. Dexter is gone, right. We are looking at the end of Mad Men. I think they're breaking up the final season into two parts once again, so it's not going to be gone, gone until the end of 2000. Well, they're going to drag it out a little bit,
2: as much as they can. They're going to milk that cow until she falls over dead. But do you think that we are seeing the end of Mm -hmm. these hyper-intelligent, flawed, but brilliant characters, that
1: era, come to an end? I think we are, at the very least... I listened to a podcast called The Firebird and Ice Wall, which is done by uh, Alan Steppenwell and Daniel Feynman. Mm -hmm. Alan Steppenwell wrote an excellent book about the move towards whether the golden age of cable television called The Revolution Will Be Televised, where he looked at The Sopranos and Mad Men and Breaking Bad and all of these shows on a case-by-case basis. Their theory is that we're seeing the end of this golden age of television that we've just been through. Mm-hmm. And you have a number of these cable companies, AMC and such, scrambling to find the next Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. And they're failing at an alarming rate. The killing lasted three years only because AMC had nothing else to put they up They had there. nothing else to put up Now they got this new thing, Low Winter Sun, that I think it's not going past it's because it's not. But they brought back Hell on Wheels because that one failed. Mm, yeah. And you got Broadhurst and you
2: got. Well, all... Hell on Wheels is all, yeah. on the bowl.
1: I think. But they ordered more episodes because okay. they needed. Well, they to got go. nothing else. Yeah. They, exactly. like they got nothing else. Broadhurst over on BBC America. And also the other that's fascinating is that what are they doing now? They're resorting to spin-offs. The thing yep. is, is that
2: it's interesting that you
1: say that about because the okay. the bridge that was the other yeah. one I was thinking.
2: Showtime yeah. at least is hedging their bets because that they told the writers of Dexter when well, you can't kill him, yeah. and they said, "Well, why can't?" Because that's our Batman. That was the mandate. They had yeah. to put him in a holding pattern. So I guess if they don't get anything yeah. else, they say, "Okay, well, let's right.
1: bring Dexter back." You Which know. kind of brings us, since we're now, is it? It's very interesting that yes, we've waded into the water of cable television. We come to the second thing that Des Reddick tweeted us oh okay and he asks us thoughts on homeland Mandy Patinkin is a fucking god the man is probably the best actor on tv i don't watch homeland i recently
2: managed to acquire showtime okay. thanks to patricia's shenanigans there was some discrepancy on our bill yeah and by the time she got finished with them they gave us six months of showtime okay thanks to showtime on demand right i have been watching homeland phenomenal yeah. show yeah the mandy Patinkin. It's an interesting show in that the main character, who is an FBI profiler,
1: plays Black Claire, like Claire Dink. She's bipolar. I love the fact that both her and her husband mm-hmm. are playing bipolar characters. Yeah. Because dancey, for those of you who don't know, plays Will on uh, Hannibal. Keeping it a secret from the FBI because,
2: of course, mm-hmm. you can't have a person who's bipolar working for, for the CIA. The whole premise, of how the thing starts out, is that there's an American soldier has been held in. Iraq, and after right. eight years he's been released. She's convinced that he's been turned into a double agent and, right. he's, and he's instrumental in a future terrorist attack against the United States. Well, everybody tells her that she's crazy, not because they really think she's crazy, yeah. but the guy was held prison for eight yeah. years. He's an American hero and she sets up an illegal surveillance in his house, and she gets to know him, and she's following him. They let it hang for a while. Well, has this guy been turned or not? And as it turns out, yes, he has. Right. The whole first season is a cat and mouse game, as they're trying to find out. Who's he working for? What's he got planned? Right. And it's complicated by the fact that the guy who was captured with, who he had told them was dead, turns out he's alive, and he's in the United mm-hmm. States as well. And he is a master sniper. So they're right. figuring it out. And eventually... The vice president of the United States, played by Jamie Sheridan, gets involved in it, and they think that Claire Danes and Manny Patinkin think that he's target. Because when the soldier was over there in Iraq, he got close to the son of the guy that was holding him prisoner. The kid was killed in a drone strike. Right. So now he feels personally compelled to get revenge on the president. Not for any political reason, right. but because he loved this little boy yeah. so much, and he got killed. Homeland is some heavy stuff. Eventually, when it comes on Netflix, you okay. might want to check it out. Because it really is good stuff. I think it's like the third season. And I've just finished mm-hmm. watching the first one. Yeah, I'm going to continue watching okay. it. So Des, at least one of us is watching Homeland and right. enjoying it a whole lot. A
1: okay, really where like else it. do we want to go now that we've covered that? We were doing comedies and somehow we got into it.: Yeah, we, uh, anytime Des gets involved, yeah. things go yes. real right: <laughs> Well, we talked about Mom. Well, what are the comedies? Well, let's talk about one I think we both agree is really kind of good, what? which what? is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah! Because I don't want to talk about this other one that I want to kill. Oh, okay. Well, we can talk about that after
2: Brooklyn no, Nine-Nine. Well, Brooklyn
1: Nine-Nine is pretty good. good, good. I'm it's, not crazy about Andy Sam... It, Andy, uh, Andy Samberg. I'm some, not crazy
2: about him not either. not
1: crazy about him either. But on the other hand, it's an ensemble show, so we don't have to deal with him a lot. Right. Although I gotta say, it does make me kind of sad that Andre Brauger is doing this kind of deep supporting role on this little dinky comedy. He
2: doesn't bother me. Andy Brauger is one of these actors that no matter what, if he gets a show canceled three months, he's right back on right. another one. Last Resort was canceled out from under mm-hmm. him. He got this one. Andre Brower is just that type of guy. If this gets canceled, next week he's going to be right. On I episode. mean, the
1: biggest thing that is interesting, kind of elevates it from being just a cop comedy, It's kind of what we learn about Andre Brower's character.
2: Yeah. But it's interesting in that, as you say, it's an ensemble piece. We've yeah. got Terry Crews, who's always fun to watch. Right. I like the woman, the public liaison. He's very snarky. We have the Michelle Rodriguez clone, yeah, right, yeah. the pissed-off Latina. Is it like a pissed-off Latina shot? It's a pissed-off Latina shot. Okay, well, give me one of the pissed-off Latina, give me another pissed-off Latina, <laughs> and give me two of the even more pissed-off <laughs> oh, Latina. Oh, my gosh.
1: Because the, the actress who used to be on to Me is now on Chicago Fire, and you, you, I see that advert on the side of buses all the time. Mm. And once again, she's got the Michelle Rodriguez face.
2: Yeah. They ought to have a TV show, Pissed-off pissed Latinas. Latina. Latina. <laughs>
1: We should write that, man. Yes, we
2: should. But we can't. We got too much. We got to write yeah, that. We, we got, got to write the Crazy Big movie. movie. That'd be a premise for right. Pissed Off Latina. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is what I like to call bubblegum for the brain. Yeah. You chew it, and while you're chewing it, it's a nice flavor. Yeah. And then after
1: it's over, you just spit it out. And, and it, thank it, God it doesn't have one of these weird high concepts. Remember last year, there was this obsession, it seemed, that the various networks had with these weird high concepts of, like, for example, Golden Boy. Yeah. The cop drama where we're actually getting the flash forwards to the future, where that rookie cop is actually the police commissioner of New York, yeah, the and we're supposed to kind of figure out something happened, and we're supposed to figure out what happened between. Yeah,
2: them. I watched the first episode. I went yeah, I, and the only reason I watched it was because of and Pride. Yeah, who's another actor like yeah. Andre Brower? He doesn't care. The series gets yeah. canceled out from under next week. He's working mm-hmm. in another one. It's harmless. It's inoffensive. It doesn't make me laugh out loud, but it does make right. me occasionally chuckle. When I watch it, what else?
1: Then we got the comedy that I saw the pilot of, and I wanted to cry openly. That You're brave braver man that I, I didn't even bother. See, it was one of these. It can't be that big a January right? can it? Yeah. It's got Giovanni Ravisi and Seth Green and Martin Mull and Peter Rieger. Mm-hmm. It can't be that bad. It was that bad. It was that bad. I
2: could. I don't know, for some reason, I just saw the commercials and I said, yeah, this is a
1: the other reason that I wanted to watch it because the last time Seth MacFarlane did a live action sitcom mm-hmm. was a, a sitcom called The Winner with Robert Cordry of The Daily Show Faye. It which is kind of like Redux of Get a Life. I thought it was funnier than any of the cartoons he ever put out. Oh, okay. So I was maybe this will be like that. You know, no, it was not.
2: Seth MacFarlane is the weirdest guy. Cause anything he does live action, I love. The best thing I ever saw him in, remember that short-lived series? The War at Home? Yeah, The War at Home, where he played the the, way older than the... That was the funniest thing I ever saw him do. But I can't stand his cartoons. This was
1: dreadful. It is a thorough waste of four really decent actors.
2: I heard that Fox gave the
1: thumbs. But they also gave him a full season commitment to dads. And I think something where it's like, well, we already got it on the air and we have nothing else to put in there. Yeah, we, in fact, hell, the things they've already been promising they had to delay because Almost you, was it is it called Almost Human? Talk about the one with the uh, robots. Yeah, Carl Urban. Yeah, that got delayed from the November 5th to the 17th. Okay. Dad's was dire. Mm-hmm. was well, truly amazingly dire. That half an hour felt like it was an hour. It's, it was incredibly racist. There was a major joke about how crazy these Japanese investors are and how they like to see girls in schoolgirl outfits. The premise is that Seth Green and Giovanni Ribisi have founded a video game company that's very successful. Their respective fathers have not been successful in their lives. Okay. And so they end up living with them mm-hmm. and interfering with them.
2: Oh, wow. How original.
1: It, there's this, this one Asian actress who is made to dress up in a Sailor Moon outfit, too. Which, I guess, is fun, but it's that level, though. It don't don't suck. But it's (laughs) that level of humor. Lowest common denominator stuff, and all of these actors deserve better. Remember when we had that conversation about shit my dad says? Yeah, oh, yeah. And and I said, I want to watch it because... I want to support Nicole Sullivan and Will and Sasso. And Will Sasso, yeah. But I don't want to support them in this.
2: First of all, they should have got rid of The Sun. Right. They should have kicked him out entirely. The show should have been about Will Sasso and Nicole Sullivan yeah. and William Shatner as their father, But in a supporting role, the show shouldn't have been about him. Right. That was the problem
1: with And that. this is a similar situation. I want to support Martin Mull and Seth Green and... Giovanni Ravisi and, and Peter think, Rieger. And
2: I think it's a crime yeah.
1: that Nicole Sullivan isn't on my TV every week. Have you watched any other of the, the sitcoms? Nice a couple of minutes of the Millers and said that's not No. I didn't watch. A sitcom really has yeah. to draw me in because I'm really
2: not a sitcom person. Yeah, and too many of them are so yeah. generic and mm-hmm. It really has to have either the actors in it, or it has to have a premise right. to stand out. Really, and, and the How thing is, of course,
1: comedy is the most subjective of all the genres. Yeah, hey, uh, yeah, there is something. Well,
2: like me and you, yeah. you can't stand The Big Bang Theory. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Other sitcoms that people have told me.
1: Part of it is, I think, has to do with the general loathing of Chuck. Oh, wait, that does remind me. There is one that we haven't touched on. Well, it does tie to my general loathing of Chuck Lorre. And speaking of producers that we kind of loathe, the crazy ones. Yeah. Once again, another one that has gotten a full pickup. This is the return of David from Kelly David to Kelly. the half-hour comedy format. I
2: mean, you were talking about this. To me, it was most telling that this was a build as a David yeah. Kelly thing, which they did with his other shows. To me, they really worked hard.
1: They built up... They, well, they it's did. Robin Williams. It's Robin Williams this yeah. his triumphant return to television. Yeah. It's Ms. Sarah Michelle Gellar from his yeah, triumphant no. return from the CW. Mm-hmm. From an Exile. To the CW. <laughs> yeah, he was exiled. <laughs> She was excellent. Like, Sarah, we're going to put you on a boat. We're going to send you to the CW. Mm-hmm. You can um, come on back. And I did not know it was a David Kelly show until I watched that. Yeah, and I show. saw Wait a minute, directed by David E. Kelly. Yeah. The second I saw that, I was like, oh,
2: shit. With Kelly Clarkson. Oh, my God. By the time I got to the end of the show, I said, Kelly Clarkson should have played Robin Williams' daughter. No, no. Kelly Clarkson needs her own sitcom. Yeah.
1: Congratulations on your wedding, Kelly, by the way. She was the funniest thing. What is it about, okay, last week in Hot Chicks Getting Married. I don't know. I don't know. I just, but anyway. No, she was the best thing in that episode. She was pilot. the best thing in that episode. She was yeah. so much fun. Nothing but fun. Oh, my gosh. Because the only other thing that I think she's ever done was, of course, from Justin and Kelly, which I have seen, believe it or not. I believe it. Why does this girl not have her own show? Because, first of all, the camera loves her. Oh yeah, yeah. I was sure. surprised at how telegenic she is. She, well I mean, she always she was gorgeous.
2: She's always
1: the the camera seems to just
2: adore her. Yeah. She was stealing feel- Michelle Geller, forget about it. She stole every scene that she did
1: with her. She, she shamed her and took her scene. The problem with this show is I can almost see how it developed. I bet you it was originally going to be an hour-long show called Boston Advert. Or Boston Ad. Okay. And he was going to try to pass this off as an hour-long show, but everybody had been burned by the Kathy Bates show. Everybody was so burned by that, and it was a dreadful show. Oh, what are you talking about? Harry's Law, was it called? Was it? Oh, listen. Listen. There was nothing wrong with Harry's Law, but you know what happened? David e. Kelly happened. To
2: it. No, not David e. Kelly. The ratings were fine. Yeah, NBC pulled it because it wasn't reaching the right demographic that they wanted. Demographic that they wanted is from eighteen thirty four. Right. This was pulling the senior mm-hmm. citizens to watch, which they didn't
1: want. And right. they
2: had something else that they wanted to put yeah. in its place. And the Raiders were fine. So they
1: wanted to make it Boston ad or Boston commercial or whatever the heck. They didn't want to do it, so he reworked it, much as he reworked Ally McBeal into a half-an-hour alley for that one peculiar season. And that one weird season, yeah. He just reworked it, reset it in Chicago, but to all extents and purposes, it is the same show that David E. Kelly has been doing for the last, God is it
2: and what's our litmus test for when a David E. Kelly show is in trouble, Tom? When
1: Missy Pyle appears.
2: Yeah. When, <laughs> you know, whenever Missy Pyle shows up on a David E. Kelly show, it's because he says, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. I gotta get right. a tall Amazonian <laughs>
1: goofball to come yes. in
2: and help save my show.
1: Yeah. You know, and I hate whenever, because I'm a big fan of Missy Pyle. I love and I Missy think Pyle. think she is gorgeous. And I hate the fact that she does all these David E. Kelly shows because she is... There to be a freak. And that is the problem with David E. Kelly shows, is he's so fascinated with freaks. And the fact is, I don't know if you feel this way, The Crazy Ones, it's the same sort of formula. Robin Williams is Denny Crane.
2: I've seen a couple of episodes of The Crazy mm-hmm. Ones. First of all, if I enjoy a show and if I attend watching it, mm-hmm. I give it a season pass on my DVR. Right. I have not done that with The Crazy Ones. Mm-hmm. If I'm home on Thursday nights and if I remember it's coming on... And if I happen to be, yeah, I'll put it on. Mm -hmm. Just think was going on. And see, me and you are old enough. I remember Robin Williams back in the day. This isn't that Robin Williams. Let's face it. I don't expect it to be this Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. But at this point in his career, he should be playing something like a college professor. And especially
1: when you consider that Robin Williams has expanded his acting chops. Yeah. intervening years where he's been doing really serious work and so isn't
2: this like a step back
1: for it, it and, is and speaking about a step back let's talk about sarah michelle geller whose only purpose on the show is to make that kind of weird frowny face she can make but this is something that i think is indicative of all david e kelly shows for example julie Bowen, who was in the early episodes of boston legal has the disapproving mom we see how amazingly funny she is around her family now. Playing a very similar character, but given the chance, I don't know what it is about David e. Kelly not wanting to let funny women be funny. David Kelly doesn't like normal people, and his shows always starts out the same. Right, like people
2: who act normal, they're in funny situations, but they're in funny situations that are brought about because of circumstances. Right. They're not funny, like the guy he brought in with the Asperger's. Now, we were supposed to Christian crack up him. Christian
1: uh, know What and, a waste of that actor. And
2: we were supposed to find him funny, just simply yeah. because he had these weird tics. Yeah. No, that's not funny. He
1: brought in the Midget, who was the right. Lord. Right. And
2: we're supposed to find And like Jerry,
1: I think, was his name, the, uh-huh. the Christian Clemens yeah. character. Was that he was part of a subplot in an earlier season before he became a regular mm. where he was perceived as a threat, if you remember? I there was know. that whole thing where Alan becomes his friend and he said, Well, I think he should be a partner. And they, everybody was taking him aside and saying, No. No. No, we don't let Jerry Jerry. And it resulted, if you remember, with him taking hostages. And then he goes away and he comes back the next year and it's wacky Jerry. Well it was the same thing on David E. Kelly's short lived show, The Wedding Planner.
2: Right. Where Missy Powell came on and originally she was a threat and then he brought her back and all of a sudden she was a partner in this wedding planning right. game, with very little explanation of how she went from being a threat right. to being their bosom buddy. But he just wanted to have a wacky character. I got nothing against wacky character. But you gotta give him something to do. You, you gotta give you him a
1: contrast.
2: You can't have wacky character just for the
1: sake of having wacky characters. Why do we remember Kramer? Not because he's a wacky character, but in contrast to the other three characters. Right. Why do we remember Urkel? Because of his contrast to Reggie Bell Johnson's. Characters. But they were
2: also allowed to have yeah.
1: moments, Kramer and Urkel,
2: and don't get me wrong, you're absolutely right, but they were also allowed to have their moments where we saw past their wackiness and saw that these were people that mm-hmm. had feelings and emotions, like Kramer. Okay, yeah, he was wacky, but he genuinely cared about his friends. The one show that he did where all of his characters stayed sane mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing was one that both you and I love that did last and mm-hmm. that was Snoop's.
1: Yeah, to be fair, I liked Snoop's not because it was a really well-done show, but because it had Paula Marshall and Gina Gina Gershon Gershon. spraying whipped cream on each other, Well, yeah. with all due respects. (laughs) But that's all we needed. Exactly. (laughs) I'm I'm all for that. I am all for Gina Gershon and Paula Marshall spraying whipped cream on each other, and Kelly Clarkson for that matter. I
2: think that was the first time I'd ever seen Paula Marshall and Gina Gershon, so thank you David <laughs>
1: Kilda. for that if nothing else the sad thing is what we come down to is that the only thing that's memorable from this show is the sight of Kelly Clarkson grinding up on some guy singing a blues song
2: that's it and the scene in the Diner where she makes Sarah Michelle Geller get up and say, You yeah.
1: need a break today. Yeah. Uh, I know Sarah Michelle Geller is capable of comedy. I've seen it on other shows, but she, here she, she's being a poochie. Oh, Dad,
2: you can't do that. Well, I mean, yeah, well, that's her only job on the show to stand by and react to Robin Williams. Yeah. Instead of putting him up against somebody who can easily match him toe totally to Kelly Clarkson. If they put Kelly Clarkson <laughs> in that show, yeah, and put her up against Robin Williams. Yeah.
1: I don't want Kelly Clarkson in that series. I want her to have her own series. Well,
2: why should she be in that? Why should she be in that series?
1: I don't want her in that series but because she... I, you know what's going to happen with the David E. Kelly show. Somewhere on halfway with the ratings are going to get kind of iffy. Out uh, will come the freaks. She'll be buried in freaks. But
2: has the show been picked up for a full season? It's
1: gotten a full season, and the suspicion, once again, is this is a running theme for this season, isn't it? that a lot of things are being renewed that maybe shouldn't be renewed mm-hmm. simply because... Got, we got nothing. We got, we got nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they go into the board meeting. Okay, oh, well, nice that reminds me. yeah. So-and-so is not doing That's why, that's for example, so-and-so. another really, really terrible sitcom will be on the air all season, which is mm-hmm. Sean Saves the World. I didn't even watch that. Okay, I watched it because Megan Hilty, who was the other female lead... On my beloved mm. Smash came over and was doing a supporting role in the show as Sean Hayes' best friend. It is awful. Sean Hayes plays a gay single father trying to raise his kid. Original premise. He works for, equivalent, well, I guess, a finger hut. One of those online shops where they go and buy stuff for credit. And I don't care how cute I find Megan Hilty. I'm willing to support Megan Hilty. The world needs more Megan Hilty, but they need more Megan Hilty singing songs, because that's what she's really good at.
2: The Michael J. Fox show is in trouble, too. Because yeah. Because they're bringing Heather Locklear. Because mm-hmm. supposedly in the industry, mm-hmm. she's go to girl. If your show's got bad ratings, well, get Heather Locklear on there. But I don't know anybody who thought this was going to work, because in essence, you're asking us to laugh
1: at a man with a debilitating disease. Well, NBC thought it would work because they gave him a full season commitment, sight unseen.
2: But really, who wants to see Michael Fox? Like I don't that? know. I watched one episode and I couldn't even finish watching an episode because I remember him as Marty McFly. Right.
1: Spin City.
2: I recently rewatched The Frightener. And why didn't you tell me Connie Britton was on man Spin- No, Spin City. I thought you knew. No, I never watched Spin City. I thought
1: you knew. No. That was a show. It's got Connie Britton and... and Jennifer Esposito. And Jennifer Esposito and there's another and one. And Carla Gugino in the first yeah. season. Yeah! Oh, Why did you tell me? I yeah. had all my hot chick action yeah. I needed in that one half yeah. hour that first season. Because okay. Carla Gugino played his girlfriend. I bring this up every time people talk about Carla Gugino. Mm-hmm. They fired her because, and I quote, she was too fat. What? I am not making this up. Apparently, the producers of Spin City thought she was too fat. Oh, well, you can give me that kind of fat. Yeah, exactly. Day give day me day. that, <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. Connie Brennan back when... Oh, man. The show was kind of okay, but that's like Brennan, what an American male catnip. Thank you. That's what that was. Oh, man. <laughs>
2: you look at the Michael J. Fox from back yeah. then, and this is just me. I feel kind of uncomfortable watching him and I'm supposed to laugh at him he's got this disease and I think he's a good sport for mm-hmm. saying okay well I'm going in and let people make fun of me right. but I'm kind of uncomfortable okay
1: with that sure. nBC bought this Sight unseen without a pilot.
2: Well, it's Michael J. Fox. Yeah, that's and why they, they thought, they they thought, they thought that he was Teflon. They owe him for family ties, spin city. Right. And mm-hmm. They say, well, let's do this for Michael. Which I give them credit for, by the way. Sometimes we rag on these networks, but I have to say one thing about them. They do show a lot of loyalty to stars that have done shows for them in the past, and if they come to them with an idea, they say, right. okay, we'll try it out. Or they will extend this. You want to come and do this right. show for us? So they do show a lot of loyalty mm-hmm. to their actors. Um,
1: since my television is out, I have not not been able to see Dracula, which I still want to see because I think it's going to be hilarious in all the wrong way. I haven't watched Dracula. I have heard about
2: (laughs) the first episode. For one reason, Dracula's Nikola Tesla isn't doing anything for me. I will watch it at some time or another, I'm sure, but I'm not dying to watch
1: One thing that had already been on that I decided to start watching regularly is Elementary. Oh, okay. I saw an episode because Cuddy from House was on. Oh, okay. And I was actually somewhat surprised at how much I enjoyed it. And I realized, even from that one episode, that it was not what I feared, which was a slavish ripoff of the BBC Sherlock. Right. I started picking up on the repeats during the summer. They went to London. Yeah, this season. With Reece Tiffons playing Mycroft. And they've been developing these characters, and it's, it's actually kind of cool. And I guess Johnny Lee Miller is relieved that he actually gets to speak in his own accent change.
2: People have asked me because they say, yeah. like, oh, haven't you seen elementary yet? Haven't you seen?" No, I haven't seen elementary. Why don't you like elementary? Well, it's not that I don't like it, but God, there's only so much stuff I can watch. People mm-hmm. don't seem to understand that, that I can't watch everything. And sometimes the reason why I don't watch something, because it can't go on my already overcrowded DVR, mm-hmm. which is really the only way I can watch TV right. with my schedule the way it is. And if my DVR is loaded up, I can turn it on right now. Yeah. And you
1: see, it's about like 1%. It's a lot. We talked very briefly on the episode we recorded before this about the Mindy Project, about how it seems to oh. be flailing around trying to find it. Yeah, trying to find out what it's um, uh, Which is a pity because you've got a group of very funny act centered around mm-hmm. a very funny and very, very attractive woman.
2: Here's the problem that yeah.
1: goes with the Mindy Show,
2: which is one that you and I have talked yeah. about before. It kind of stretches credibility, at least mine, that we all the time get these shows about the incredibly smart funny gorgeous hot women with wonderful jobs and they're either obsessed with relationships why they can't get a relationship why they can't find a relationship and that seems to be what the whole focus of their waking consciousness
1: is about i think one of the problems with the mindy project during the first season was <laughs> that it got away from its initial premise which is this was a woman who was literally raised by romantic comedy and so her view of romance is very unrealistic show that <laughs> was what was presented to us in the pilot and it got kind of Lost. It was still funny, and these are some very talented actors on this show. All of these actors are very funny. They kept adding characters and subtracting characters,
2: and trying to find a mix and match, trying to find out what worked. And it's that, still that, going on. Because, as you said earlier, the first season of any show, I don't care what mm-hmm. it is—drama, comedy, whatever—that's a shakedown crew, right? We're taking her out for a spin. We're seeing what she can do. We're pushing her up to ninety. We're seeing how she handles in the curves, and then after that, okay, now we've had the shakedown crew. What works and what doesn't work. This is what we got to build up. This is what we've got to tone down. Right. This is what we've got. Some shows never find that. And those are the ones that get canceled. Right. Others find it and
1: they go in the long right. successful the runs. Then you have something like the Mindy Project, which... Will continue to flail. Which will continue to flail. For as long as Fox will agree to keep it on the air.
2: I'm really not having a real positive feel about this show. Because remember, she took this to NBC first and they passed yeah. on. Which really kind of surprised her. Because it surprised
1: the hell out of me that they... Killed this storyline with the Reverend. So early into the second season. I think you and I both agree. We know where this is ultimately going. Which is her and the Staten Island boy.
2: Yeah. Ultimately getting together.
1: They're not even bothering to hide that. I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's a waste of Minnie Kaling's talent. No. There's definitely something missing in it. But
2: I'm willing to stick with it. Like I wasn't willing to stick with New Girl. Or with, oh my god. Y'all guys can't see it. Thomas making the sign of the cross with his fingers, but I'm willing to stick with that because Mindy Kaling is just that attractive. She's right. just that smart. I
1: May mean, I just say this is a show which I love because Mindy Kaling is a very full-figured woman. Yes, she's relatively short, so mm-hmm. her pounds do show on her, and yet she is represented as being sexy. Yeah. And being desirable. I love that about that show. I Mm. love the fact that you just have to look at Super Fun Night with Rebel Wilson, where it's just here's the fat girl and her loser friends. Ha, 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 ha. How
2: can we get her out of her clothes? Yeah. In
1: embarrassing situations, which is my understanding of what it's about. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love those shows, and it's very. Smash was another one because Megan Hilty is also somewhat heavy set. Mm hmm. But she was always just represented in that show as someone who was desirable and sexual. And I appreciate shows like that that give the message that you have to have a successful life. Well, let's see. I think we both agree that Wi 5 is going to be gone at the end of the day. Is meeting. it? Well, they sure. moved it to Friday night.
2: I understood it was doing pretty good. It's with Blue
1: Bloods. Yeah. On that night.
2: I haven't watched it this season. Patricia still watches it. Mm-hmm. I just lost interest. Not that I dislike it, because if she's down here and if she has it on, mm-hmm. oh, okay, well, this is Hawaii well, 5 Let me see what's right. going on. I but, lost interest. I didn't
1: follow it like
2: I did the first yeah, couple about of seasons. Yeah, a third
1: of the way into the third season. Yeah So I came back For one episode Which was the episode That guest started Isha Tyler Which was structured As a kind of like A mock Ofra episode Yeah But I think The fact that they Moved it to 9 o'clock Is uh, an indication That it's on its last legs it's, uh, mm-hmm. We don't want to Deal with this anymore Well
2: we'll see Google well, has been On Friday night mm-hmm. For what
1: A couple of years now. Yeah And this seems to Be doing alright but Blue Buds was a show featuring an older actor as its central figure. Tom Selling. I think it was a show specifically designed to appeal to an older demographic, well, which is yeah. what they assume is going to be watching television on Friday nights at 10. Hawaii 5 is a hip, fast-with-it revamp of a previously excellent product. But I think that's why they put it on Friday night mm-hmm. at 9 o'clock, because most of
2: the time you'll have people that are waiting for Tom mm-hmm. Selleck and Blue Buds, and they'll put it on Channel 2. And a lot of people... Would just put the TV on the channel that they're going to watch it, too. And I think that's what they're hoping that people would just turn it on and say, well, let me watch this until Blue Bloods come on. But I do think you're right. I think it is losing steam. Right. That's why because... It doesn't have the buzz it right. did when it first came on, like that first season. I think that they thought we had the next NCIS
1: yeah and they just don't. We would have had, I don't know, Seattle five zero and yeah, <laughs> Washington five zero. Did
2: not they do a crossover with NCIS? Yes, they did
1: with NCIS Los Angeles. That's another indication that this era is going. The fact that we're bleeding off, we have CSIs are cut down to just the one, right? It's just yeah, I classic. I think it's just, I think it's
2: just the one that yeah, they
1: have. CSI Classic was to die, CSI. Mm-hmm. Yes, I. And NCIS, they've got two things. And they're getting ready to add another one. They had filmed
2: the pilot, NCIS Red, which was supposed to be about a traveling NCIS right. unit. They had a Buckaroo Banzai kind yeah. of bus, and they were going to travel all over the country, okay. solving cases. I think it was Delroy Mulrooney. Delroy yeah. yeah. He was in it. He just didn't pick it up. However, what they're doing now, they have in the works NCIS New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And I heard that. Big green light is that. As they're shedding the NCIS franchise, they're building up
1: the NCIS. Law and order of an NBC is down just a special victims unit. We should note the retirement of a certain beloved character of ours. (laughs) Richard Belzer. Richard Belzer. Detective Munch. Detective Munch. Munch. Although I get the impression that he'll show up for special episodes during Sweep Sweep. You know what I would do if I ran television Mm -hmm. every week
2: for about a month? I would have John Munch show up on different TV shows. Right. Just show up. He's in the Big Bang Theory. He's right. in the comic book show. <laughs> because you know that Detective Munch reads yeah. the comic book. Okay. You know, I just know that it's about him. And he shows up in the comic book. And he doesn't even have to say anything. You yeah. just see Detective <laughs> Wait a minute. Is that? <laughs> and it'd be like, where's Walmart? Oh, shit. Oh, that's Detective Munch. Oh, my because God. Because I would so pay for that. As we have seen, for those of y'all
1: who don't know, improbable as it's. John, scene, Munch, John is Munch is the glue that holds the televisual multiverse together yeah know who he is he's access yes
2: (laughs) DC Marvel
1: (laughs) John Munch on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
3: yeah make
2: this happen y'all remember remember Rick Jones how he was back in 60's Marvel Mm -hmm. that he could show up anywhere and nobody back one month he'd be in Hulk then he'd be knocking on the door of the Avengers Mansion saying oh I need a place to crash yeah I I need to
1: speak to Captain America
2: yeah hey Rick and everybody knew him yeah Nick Fury knew him everybody knew him that's John Munch.
1: So that's the second thing I want to see on Agents of Shield. You know yeah. what the other thing is? What? Melinda May, mm-hmm. Natasha Romanoff, Girls' Night Out. Okay. That's what I want to see.
2: We could see that happen. And John Munch is the character that could show up on Agents of Shield. Yeah. And nobody would bat an eye. Nobody it out. Nobody would bat it out. Eye. It wouldn't be out of place because God knows he's it. been everywhere else. Yeah.
1: Richard yeah. Belzer folks holds the <laughs> John Munch on he... blacklist. Yeah. Why not? He brought it as a consultant. He gets sick of bacon booted or a stupid wig and go, give me somebody really smart to talk to. Yeah, and they no, call in munch. They bring him in. Maybe there was a case that
2: James Spader character was involved in. They bring him in as a consultant. For those of y'all who don't know, Richard Belzer is in the Guinness Book of World Records as having played the same character
1: mm-hmm. in more different T V shows than any other actor in history. He's been in what? Is it now nine? I'm looking it up actually. I do know that he was originated from Homicide Life on the Street. Yep. Here, okay. The character has spanned over twenty years in twenty-two seasons, along with one hundred and twenty-two episodes and one movie of homicide and two hundred and forty-one episodes of SVU out of three hundred and twenty-four. Bunch has also appeared as a character in other T V series, movies and albums. Law and Order, four episodes. Arrested Development, two episodes. X Files, one episode. The Beat, one episode. Law and Order Trial by Jury. One episode. The Wire, one episode. 30 Rock, two episodes, Jimmy Kibble Live, a Muppet representation of Detective Munch appeared on the Sesame Street sketch, Law & Order's Special Letters Unit, The World's Most Dangerous Party, which is a Paul Schaefer Paul album. Paul Schaefer album, yeah. Mad About You, one episode. Really? Yes. See,
2: that I did not know.
1: Let's not forget Luther. Yeah, he's been mentioned on Luther. At, yeah. They had to call the New yeah. York. He's Luther's liaison right. in New York. Yeah. Also, I think we should pull behind the curtain and should mention that he's also appeared in fiction. Under a slightly altered name, he is in my Shadow Legion series. Oh, okay, then. There we yeah. go. Because I started putting him in fan fiction, and so when the time came mm-hmm. and I needed a detective character to interact with my heroes the Shadow Legion. I said, I might as well bring Might as well. He's just that type of character. And if you mm-hmm. found out about him, Richard Bills,
2: I have no doubt. He's I have a very been tempted flag.
1: because I follow him on Twitter. I have been tempted to let him know. I'm just afraid to. Why? What if he doesn't take it the right way and decides to sue me?
2: Why would he sue you? You don't have any money.
1: That's true. You can only sue people who have
2: money. Bob, you have nothing. <laughs> don't worry about it. Richard Belzer is that type of guy yeah. that I think
1: he'd probably be very flattered. You ought to let him know. Seriously. I should send him the book. Why not?
2: not really. He's got plenty of time on his hands. That's true, now, yeah. yeah.
1: He's also a, a hell of a conspiracy nut. He wrote
2: a book about conspiracies. Well, he had a short-lived TV yeah. show inside mm-hmm. my channel. That that's
1: what it was about, where he explored conspiracy
2: theories,
1: and he was a wicked, wickedly funny comedian. Yeah. Also, not as much, but he's also been a character both in Superman and the Flash mythos. Because he was Inspector uh, Henderson and Lois and Clark. And Lois and Clark. And he was a talk show host on the Flash TV series. I remember Richard Belzer being a smart yeah.
2: like you said, it was
1: stand-up stand-up comedian. comedian. Still had one of the best comebacks for a heckler I've ever heard. 100%. somebody was heckling him and he stopped the show and said look pal i'm working here i don't come to your place of business and knock the cock out of your mouth yeah that'd either make somebody sit down to charge the stage to kick his ass yeah. but i wouldn't even do he's told me yeah. richard belzer looks like the well, guy yeah. richard belzer got his ass kicked by hulk hogan and still survived. yeah but he looks like a guy that
2: for some reason i get the feeling he could take care of himself that mm-hmm. if he came at him he could come back with something, yeah, he hung it up after all these years on Lord Order SV, which is one of those shows I don't think they're ever going to cancel. No, I told you before, they will
1: cancel it when Mariska Hargitay
3: says, Yeah, it when she wants, yeah, when
1: she decides she wants to stop doing
2: it. It's the loyalty that they have, right? To one, and that show was such a ratings mm-hmm. hit exactly. for such a long time. If she comes back next year, yeah, okay. We'll keep it running. And why not? It's still giving respect I mean, to no, She
1: doesn't even... It used to be... They featured her with her partner. Oh. You know, it was a Chris Maloney for the longest time. The Chris Maloney character got all crazy, and he left. Then it was that woman who... I can never remember her name. She's a really good actress. She was in that short-lived show, Chase, about the bounty hunters. The government bounty hunters. And she was her... Part, and she went wrong. I think that the final episode of SVU is going to reveal that Mariska Hargitay was secretly dosing her partners. Yeah, with, with some yeah. sort of
2: psychotropic to yeah. make to go insane. Because she wanted to work by herself. Yeah,
1: and she joins okay. Jessica Fletcher because the whole theory is that Jessica Fletcher is a serial killer. Oh, I
2: believe that. Yeah. 100%, yeah. <laughs> it was Jessica Fletcher was doing all that shit. There's no way you're going to tell me everywhere she goes, somebody just happens to drop dead. Oh, so, I believe that theory 100%.
1: So I guess we should finish up by touching on some things that we're looking forward to that are coming up. Primary among them, of course, is December 9th. What
2: happens December 9th?
1: The Sing Off returns. Oh, really? Finally, the Sing Off finally returns. It went away. It was officially canceled. Then NBC decided to uncancel it. What are you gonna do with The Voice? I think it's going on in between. Okay, so okay, so The
2: Voice is going on hiatus, voice and, is and they need going away, it and, and then they're gonna put the Sing Off. And of course, they needed something to keep those fans of oh, that
1: type. The of big stuff. question for me is: Are they going to keep the old judges, or are they going to replace? Remember the last season, they replaced Cole Schlesinger, Robin Thicke's wife, with Sarah Bareilles, and she right. worked. Really, really well. But yeah, then again, Sarah, Bareilles. Sarah Bareilles got her career back all of a sudden because she got herself a top ten hit mm-hmm. recently with "Break." So the question is, can she put the time of it to come back and do the show? I'm assuming that Ben Folds is going to do it because Ben Folds loves a cappella. Well, is there any
2: information? They haven't made, they any, haven't made any information, they haven't made, no. Yeah, well, they're probably trying to
1: lock down these people. They're trying to see but if them. they are available. They don't want to make it. Because anything. for me, the two great joys of that show, mm-hmm. first off, is getting a chance to hear a cappella music. <laughs> done the way it should be. Done, done. the way it should be. <laughs> Having a cappella music on a national stage. We return for a fourth season. I'm just trying to see if there's any news about the show. Says return up for the fourth season. Okay, there is a replacement Sarah Bareilles is not returning to the show. Jewel will be replacing her. Oh, okay, I remember you know. her—the Alaskan girl with the crooked teeth. That's a sad thing because I thought Sarah Bareilles fit well with Sean Matheson and Ben Foltz, who is one of my heroes. She but might, uh, maybe she might fit in. Look, with I, I have said it before. I think NBC was smart. Once Jimmy Fallon takes over the Tonight Show, take that slot that Jimmy Fallon used to have and do a version of Later with Jules Holland. Have you ever seen this show? Yeah, I've seen okay. it. Okay. So, But instead of Jules Holland, you would have Ben Foltz and Sean Stockman as the mm-hmm. host. Keep the whole thing, the revolving stage with the mm-hmm. different acts. Yeah, constantly coming Yeah, by. That's why I like the,
2: the few episodes I've seen. I've seen about three yeah. more episodes. episodes. But that show was always moving. And it's the thing I
1: love about the sing-off is that it's not like, for example, American Idol, mm-hmm. where Simon knew what he was talking about, but the other two really didn't. The other two didn't, yeah. <laughs> All three of these people know what they were talking about. I could listen to Ben Foltz talk about the principles of a cappella music.
2: Speaking of, which, how long do you think that we have before American Idol is gone? The ratings have been dropping like Uh, a stone. What do you think, we got like another year or two? Maybe. Before it goes away. Unless... They could just drive a truckload of
1: money up to Simon's house, I'm sure. Because even what's his name is quick now, hasn't he? Randy's 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 left. The season that's coming up this Mm -hmm. January, they were trying to put together a season where the judges would be former winners. And... (laughs) No, Ah. uh, Syria, I'm not making this up. I don't believe you. They were in negotiations with Kelly Clarkson and I think it was Fantasia and uh, Ruben Stoddard. Really? Okay. But nobody wanted to do it, especially not Kelly Clarkson. (laughs) No. Kelly and American Idol do not follow the same rules anymore.
2: Why should she? Yeah. See, that's why I was laughing because you, why should they come back? Because that's a step back for them. They've already mm-hmm. got what they want. They've already got careers.
1: And they don't need a. Well, let's Island. be a hundred percent honest here. There have been how many? 10, 12 seasons of American Idol. Right. Of those winners, only two have made a successful go of it. The losers. And may have gotten better careers has than made, winners. Yeah. I would argue that Kelly Clarkson has the best career of all. Jennifer Hudson. Okay, Oscar trumps Grammy. I'm sorry. It's like Rock, Paper, Scissors. Yeah, right, yeah. Grammy tr- it, trumps Emmy. <laughs> Oscar trumps everything.
2: It's, but it's a moot point. Yeah,
1: because, because I guess
2: but but the yeah, point I'm trying to
1: make I get where you're going. Is the only two really successful winners were Kelly Clarkson mm-hmm. and Carrie Underwood. And mm-hmm. both of these people did so by breaking away from the American Idol Machine. Kelly did her two albums under Simon Cowell's Tutelage and then left. That did, yeah. did that really dark album called My December and mm-hmm. then became the person that she is. Carrie Underwood ran for the hills. Literally and figuratively and just hid amongst the New Country folks. Yeah. Their success is I think, and I've said this before, because people always get in my face when I defend Kelly Clarkson as a decent artist, and they, they will say, oh, she's a winner of a karaoke contest." And no. The ones that have stuck around, Carrie Underwood would have found her way to a career. Kelly Clarkson would have found her way to a career. Yeah. yeah. Jennifer Hudson would have found her way to a career. Chris Daughtry would have found her way to a career. It just so happens that was I think, the four most successful American Idol people, that creepy kid that was... Clay Aiken? Clay Aiken, thank you. Yeah. That was one of the creepiest lead singles, I think, ever. That kid yes. Invisible. Yeah, yeah. F, I thought he was going to blow up and he was going to be... And he kind of... Ruben Stutter. Yeah, Ruben, Ruben Stutter. Yeah. Taylor, what's-his-face? Soul Patrol guy. Yeah. I forgot the other one, the fifth one. The one that you would think I would never forget because you know how much I adore her. What? Catherine McPhee. Oh! You would think, of all people, I would not be the one to forget Catherine McPhee. We don't even associate her with. Her. American Idol, exactly,
2: exactly, yeah. You know, we don't even associate them with American Idol anymore. Mm-hmm. It used to be, when they started. oh, American Idol contestant, they don't even put that in front of their names anymore yeah. because they're that big now. Kelly right.
1: Clarkson and Kathleen McPhee. And, the only thing that you know, yeah, I, I feel sad about lately about Kelly Clarkson is he's got a very pretty voice. And if you listen to those earlier albums, it's an equal mix of these more contemporary pop stuff and these more nuanced... One of my favorite songs of hers is from one of her earliest albums, Beautiful Disaster, where it takes advantage of the fact that she's got this beautiful, very emotional voice. Kind of a jazzy, yeah. bluesy kind of voice. Exactly. Like, when you Fast left. forward to her most recent album, the one from which Stronger came from mm-hmm. and People Like Us. All of those songs are her screaming to the rafters. That kind of saddens me. You better anybody else know mm-hmm. knows the state
2: of the music industry. Well, look at, look at how the music yeah. industry
1: is struggling.
2: You're looking for well, what's going to be the right. next big thing to come along to save us. As far as I'm concerned, you have these music award shows like the Grammys. Yeah. It's not about talent anymore. They're rewarding mm-hmm. the people who are right. selling the most albums. Right. Who move the million albums. Here, you right. can have all the awards. To me, a person who grew up during the 60s and yeah. 70s with Motown, and I saw rap come up, and right. folk era, the state of music to date to me now
1: is very depressing. This is something I said to my friend Ralphie mm-hmm. the right. other day. I said, there's a website that lists all the Billboard Top 100 you go back to a random week in the 70s or the 60s or even the 80s and what's fascinating is that the top 40 is composed of you'll see a country song next to a folk song next to a funk song next Mm -hmm. to a disco song next to a heavy metal song Mm -hmm. there's a great deal of diversity whereas nowadays it's dance pop with dance pop with dance pop with Mm -hmm. dance pop with novelty song with rap song with dance pop now that diversity is gone. It's why I think people like Adele break out so hard. Oh, yeah. When because, or this young girl, Lord. So the only thing that worries me is that you listen to her first single called Royals, and you can see that they're already grooming her to become just like everybody else.
2: And you know what really depresses mm-hmm. me, which is why I like talking to young people so mm-hmm. much, because I get a pulse of what they think about what's going on. And a- A lot of the younger people that I talk to that's in my family, they don't like Adele. And I said, well, what's wrong with Adele? What's the matter with her? Why don't you like her? Well, she doesn't do anything. She just stands there and sings. And I said, well, that's what she's supposed to do. She could
0: dance. They have such a
2: skewed idea of what an artist is supposed to do because they've been presented with Beyonce and all these other ones who who do the acrobatics. Because we're deep in in
1: the era of the pop diva. Which started in 1995 when Britney Spears released Oops, I Did It Again. Oh, okay. For right now, no matter how hard Britney Spears tries to come back, nobody cares. Nobody cares, Why? Because she injured herself very badly Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, she can no longer do the acrobatic. Got a new single out called Work Bit Most of the time, all she can do is kind of stand there and let other people dance around her. Right, not had that level of success. The biggest success she's had in the last four years has been as a guest vocalist on a Will I Am song, which is dreadful. Christina Aguilera, who's now more interested in going back and exploring Broadway music, she did that whole album of 40s Tin Pan Alley style songs. Nobody cares about that because yeah, it's no. not it's about the beat.
2: It's, it's not, not a- about the beat. When they told me that, I said, well, you may not realize mm-hmm, it, but years and years ago, that's what artists did. They came up and you know. they stood there and they sang because they didn't have to do all of that and their voice didn't work for them. Yeah, but I got to see somebody that's moving around and doing something.
1: Well, how about a singing?
2: Yeah, it's all right.
1: It's kind of sad to it, 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 it is. It's sad. For example, another one I was discussing with my dear, dear friend Vinny. Hey, Vinny. Paul McCartney released a new album, which is yeah. all new. We were listening to it in the car on the way to his karaoke gig. And... I was talking about Maroon 5. Maroon 5's been around now for a little bit over 10 years. Go back to those 10 years and listen to their first album, which is called Songs About Jane. You hear a blues rock band, and their first two singles were rock numbers. However, you listen to them now, and they've totally surrendered to the...
3: P- yeah, they've totally I, see, I see to the you point,
1: To the point where they're now releasing alternate versions of certain songs, like a song that I do a lot of karaoke is Payphone. They have the standard version... But they also have the urban contemporary version, which has Wiz Khalifa doing this nonsensical rap in the middle. Right.
2: This reminds me of back in the 70s, and you remember this too. Yeah. Back in the 70s, when the disco era came along, and you had all these artists, and the record companies were telling them, you got to put at least one dance song on yeah. your album so we can market this to the urban audiences. Yeah. Which is how artists like David Bowie and Queen and who else am I but thinking of? But Queen was of?
1: always kind of
2: dancing. And Rod Stewart... Yeah. First became exposed to urban black youth right. and said, "Oh man, these white boys are cool." Yeah, that was how they survived the '70s. Mm-hmm.
1: Cher, it's kind of like the same thing. Like Cher's you... career existed longer than it could because she decided to do a techno song. Techno song, yeah. That hideous "Believe," and I, yeah. I love the story. You, I've told you the story about this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but okay, she does a demo for "Believe." By accident, the engineer who was recording the song had the auto tune. On his console turned way Crank, up. Cranked up yeah. <laughs> so, of course, you I hate auto tune, and you can tell when somebody's auto tuned to death. They listened to the demo. The executives said to Cher, We're sorry about this. We'll fix it up when you do the final thing. She insisted on keeping the auto tune, and thus was born one of the most annoying songs.
2: Well, ever. she knew, because mm-hmm. if nothing else, she has her finger on the pulse of what's mm-hmm. going on.
1: She knew that this type of techno thing was going to play in the
2: clubs all over the world. Okay,
1: before we go, I'm actually beginning to turn the corner on one of your girls. Which girl is that? Katy Perry. Okay. You did not turn the corner (laughs) on her? No, we've had arguments about Katy Perry in the past. We
2: have? Yes, we have.
1: You were saying that just because she's Zoe Deschanel's head a porn star's body, that's enough.
2: Well, yeah, for me it is. Uh, but see, I'm shallow. Yeah, okay. You've got to understand something. I'm hard on men, but when it comes to women, I'm very pretty easy to please. And yeah, Zoe Deschanel's head on a porn star's body, yeah. Remember, I'm the guy that watched the first season of Whitney. That's so right. She looked
1: like a porn star. Okay. I'm pretty easy to please. Yeah. The stuff from the newer album, and the thing is, I've begrudgingly said in the last couple of years that she's actually written some songs I recognize her well written and, mm-hmm. and I've enjoyed a song called TGIF. Okay. It was still a goofy dance number, but then there was this song called Wide Awake, which she did to tie in with the concert movie that she did in 3D. Oh, okay, games. yeah, 3D concert movie. And I have to admit, even though it's a stupid little confectionery fluff, I'm rather fond of Roar, and I'm rather yeah. fond of the second single called Unconditional. Roar
2: is kind of... Like, that plays yeah.
1: pop ballad. Yeah, know, it, she it, throws it's an empowerment a, ballad. Yeah, empowerment right. It's an yeah. empowerment ballad, but compare Roar. And I know that uh, somebody was trying to start a beef between her and Sara Bareilles because there's some similarities between that and Brave, the mm-hmm. Sara Bareilles song. But Sara Bareilles, if you said, I said, I don't see the problem. I don't see the problem. Giving support to Ms. Perry. Yeah. Because she started out as a Christian singer-songwriter. Yeah, she did. And I think that... She's getting to this age now that she's beginning to go back to her natural instincts. And I think it's, making for better more interesting music not these kind of calculated cash grabs that she's you
2: gotta doing. understand something this is something that a lot of people
1: don't understand
2: and you as a creative price right. you should know this sometimes you gotta get the shit out of your system right in order to get to the really good stuff well sometimes you have to hit the bottom before you can reach the top you gotta put something out there yeah. that is just meaningless Look, right. In order to find out what it is that you really want to mm-hmm. sing or write or paint, sometimes you got to paint the wall before you can paint the mm-hmm. Sistine Chapel. Right. You got to work with crayons before you can yeah. do the Mona Lisa. And I think that Katy Perry is no different from anybody else pop, because that's what she thought she wanted to do at the time. She yeah. wanted to do that pop fluff, and then once that was out of her system, her natural instincts kicked in and said, "Well, this is what you really
1: want to do." I, and the funny thing is, and, and that's then, coming out now from vantage point of two thousand. So I wrote it on single long scriptures the music blog. But unfortunately, I haven't updated recently. I wrote an article about this cover she did of a song by one of my favorite artists, Tom Waits, called mm. Hackensack,
3: which I thought was very calculated at the
1: time. I thought it was a way that she was trying to prove that she was deeper mm. by choosing this big cut from this very obscure band. And now, hearing this more
3: recent material, I'm
1: beginning to understand that she was probably listening the Fountains of Wayne, mm. and all these other kind of power pop bands while she was writing this dreck like California Girls mm. and Fireworks.
2: What's wrong with California Girls? What? I like California
1: You're girls. Katy Perry. You're listening to Empire State of Mind by Jay-Z.
2: And Alicia yeah, Jay-Z. I don't like Empire State of Mind. Okay,
1: that's fair. That's, I, I respect that. That's a boring song. She listens to this song, which is Jay-Z's impassioned love letter to his home city. And her response to it is, Yeah, so? We're hot.
2: First of all, when it comes to songs that are attributed to you, it ended with New York, New York. Anything after that is simply anticlimactic. Second of all, I am not convinced that Alicia Keys is this brilliant artist that apparently she has convinced everybody that she is. It's interesting sounding music. And that's about the extent
1: of it. Well, you know when it comes to female singer-songwriters, my tendency is towards Tori Amos and Fiona Apple. That style. Kate Bush. I mean, I like Alicia Keys because I appreciate her voice. Yeah, I like her. I well, think yeah. her voice is amazing. I like
2: her. I don't think that she's this big. Remember when the first album that she made mm-hmm. came out and what she, did? she won eight Grammy Awards? Come on, let's be for real. She's good, but she's not that good. Nobody is that good. Going back to what I was saying, they gave it to her as a thank you for selling so many damn albums, especially a debut album that sold that many copies. And now, listen to her music, whereas... That first couple albums she did was highly original. Yeah. Now it's more generic and bland. She sounds just like everybody else now. Unfortunately, that's what sells. Because she looks like everybody else. Yeah. Remember when she came out, she had mm-hmm. that really unique... No, know what she okay. reminded me of? She reminded me of a young Roberta Flack okay. when she first came out. Now she looks like everybody else. Look at the most recent pictures of her. know what she's trying to look like? Who?
1: Janelle Monae. She's got the same hairstyle and everything. Now, that's an original artist, as is Fiona Apple. Fiona Apple is like the Salinger of pop music because of her mental illness problems, where she goes into seclusion for seven or eight years because she can't handle going out on stage and dealing with people, and then she just emerges from her cabin somewhere in New Hampshire and says, I've got a new album.
2: That's cool. That's what people used to do. Exactly.
1: They used to go out to limelight and go into the studio and actually work in the studio. But of course, man,
2: the whole parameter of the music business has changed, and you can't do that anymore. Yeah, I understand that. I'm just saying that I kind of prefer it when artists do that because then I know that they're really working and they're not just BSing around. Because most of what these people put out today is so generic, and we've talked about this before. Yeah, The R&B is so generic that I despair for it because I honestly cannot tell one artist from another. Right. They all sound the same.
1: Every song sounds the same. Everybody looks the same. No, now, man, now, you know how it is when I work. I have my end player that's about 12 gigs and I rotate out alphabetically the music. Oh, okay. I'm in the J's. So I've got an album of James Brown's greatest hits. All the singles that he put out in all of his long career. I have it on Shuffle. One came up on Random one afternoon. And Everett just looked at me like, what is that funky shit? And first off, after I got over the fact that nobody recognized James Brown... What was a Sex Machine? It was a deeper cut. Okay. But still, it's James Brown. Oh, yeah, You but, recognize it, who James Brown it, it, is. Yeah. yeah it was one of the lesser known singles. And I, having you explain it, this is where your yeah. music came from. Mm-hmm. This was the Neanderthal version of your music. This was the primitive, hot, living in the grass version. Yeah. You're living in a pampered apartment somewhere. James Brown is sitting there in the grass in a tent. Making love to your woman. (laughs) He's sitting on the porch of the chicken shack. (laughs) And there's something to be said about sitting on the porch of the chicken shack. Oh, absolutely. Unfortunately, so much of modern pop music, I was talking to a friend of mine who is a a rap producer, Mm. and he was complaining to me about how much he hates all this new rap, because whenever a new artist comes out, their first single is about, look at how great my life is, how rich I am, how much all this stuff I have. He said, how can you talk about that with any sort of authority or any sort of resonance when you're just starting out yourself? Yeah, exactly. He says, yeah, the label gives them the money, the label gives them the things, and they fool themselves into thinking that the things are there because they earned it. Just the homogenization, we come back to that. Although, the good thing is with stuff like Spotify and Pandora and other means, people are discovering their own
2: music. Their own music,
1: exactly, which is why I love they Pandora. Are going, yeah. yeah. I've just got Spotify for my thing, and I love being able to make these playlists and throwing them up for people to say, hey, this is my freak flag. Yeah,
2: and this is music that you might want to listen yeah. to and you discover. This is a wonderful way... It's an exciting time because never at any point in human history have we had so much access to so much alternative forms yeah. of entertainment. And, and, it's, and it's comics great. and yeah. movies.
1: And it's a great time to be a musician or an yeah. artist because you could be like Jane Siberry or Trent Reznor and just cut out the middleman and just feed your music directly to the people. Just throw it right up. Trent Reznor, that's what he does. When he has something coming up, he posts it online for his fans. Fans can download it for free. A couple of months later, the album comes out as a CD. Mm-hmm. And that's how he recouped his studio costs. Right. God bless him for that. Yeah. And it's yeah. a way to communicate without having to go with the filter of the major label. That's a bullshit. We have gone far afield bullshit. and we've gone on for far longer than I think we planned on going.
2: Yeah, we gotta wrap this up because we got one more to do.
1: Yes. Today. The world's angriest Mexican. This has been Derek Ferguson. And this has been Thomas D.J. And no matter what you do, no matter where you go, watch that TV show. And listen, that, and listen to that music. Listen to that music. Good night. So you want to let us know how much you like Better in the Dark, huh? And you do like us, right? Here's what you do. Email us at betterinthedark at earth2.net. That's Dark at earth-2.net. You can join the Better in the Dark Facebook page by searching for Better in the Dark on Facebook and asking to join. You can follow both Derek and myself and our individual Facebook pages to learn all about the facts to need to know about the both of us. And you can read the Ferguson Theater and damn your ears, damn your eyes, if you want more more filmic musings. You know what else will prove you love us? Send us money. (laughs) Send checks, money order. Filthy lucra. Or cash, we accept cash. Bucks. To Myrtle Sporting Goods. Shekels. Care of Thomas DJ. Dollars. fifty-seven sixteen Myrtle Avenue. Ridgewood, New York, 11385.
2: The Blooms.
1: Set, make all checks payable to Derek Ferguson and make all money orders payable to Thomas DJ. Cash, it comes in green, it goes with everything. Or you can contribute by the PayPal link we have at betterinthedarksite.com. The PayPal link is, you have one click, and then you're done, and you can give us money there. There you go. If you send us a contribution, you'll be named a producer on an upcoming episode, and the best part of it, no minimum whatsoever. No minimum, no maximum. Send whatever you like. So come on, stand up, get involved, be counted, share your love, and don't forget to, go watch that movie!
3: Fitzsimmons, he's heading your way. We've never done anything like this before. Are you sure? This time, Simmons, embrace the change.
1: You've been listening to Better in the Dark, featuring Thomas E.G. and Derek Ferguson. Special thanks go at the desk of James of Drop D, Mark Meehan of Dude and the Monkey, Michael Bailey of Views from the Long Box, Eric Froman, of course, and the lovely members of the Better in the Dark Facebook page. Better in the Dark had purchased a cool airplane to tool around in looking for ass to kick, but the wing kept falling off. Send all comments, praise, hate mail, love letters, and pipe bombs to Better in the Dark at Earth2.net. That's Better in the Dark at Earth-2.net. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley, and why not leave a review of us on iTunes? Hey, maybe you can even visit the Better in the Dark Central site at www.betterinthedarksite.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at at the show. And check out all the amazing music available at www.b-com. Better in the Dark is a Conspiracy Productions presentation in association with the Earth2.net community of podcasts. All material copyright, Thomas Jane Jane Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember, you can fill a sitcom with two great young actors, two master comedians, and a hot Asian chick, and you'll still get crap.
3: People are saying that you're sexist. Yeah, but... They're all
2: women, so who cares?